welcome to another edition of Art Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'll be joined by my co-host today, Aaron. We're doing an interview with Quentin Lee, successful producer, director, writer. Stick around for this fascinating interview. There's going to be a short sponsor message. It's only 30 seconds long, and then we'll be right back with our guests, so please don't go anywhere. Welcome to another edition of Art Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm here with my co-host, Erin. How are you doing, Erin? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> fabulous. That's a big word. Um, so I noticed you posted. So I was thinking about doing a podcast on creative uh, cooking and food, and I noticed you posted uh, your spaghetti on, on social media. Oh, <laughs> and oh. I also, wait a minute, and you also posted your baklava <laughs> on social media. Oh, spaghetti is my, spaghetti is my ice cream. Okay, and we all love baklava. But again, I've, I've been talking to, because there's a, a famous actor from the past named Robert Mitchum, and mm. his granddaughter has a cooking uh, food uh, sort of Facebook group that's huge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's called Mitchum's Kitchen. And so we're always sharing, we're always sharing food uh, creations, and they look like works of art a lot of times. Oh, so, it's uh, all about the food. Yeah, and the art. And the art. <laughs> what do they say, the, 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 the way to... Uh, a person's uh, heart is through their stomach. Okay, I'll go along with that. Um, <laughs> art or art. <laughs> on, uh, on a sadder note, Olympia Dukakis passed away today. Do you remember her? She was in, uh, she, oh, was the, she was yeah, the mom right. and she was the mom in Moonstruck. Yeah, so. I uh, love her. Yeah, love so she her. passed away. And this year we've had a few Bless other, there's been a few people like um, Helen McCrory. A lot of people know who she is. George Seagal is an iconic actor. He just passed away in March. And then Jessica Walters, another one. So we've lost a few uh, very talented folks recently. But Olivia, she's she was one of my favorites. And speaking of the film industry, uh, today we're talking to a director, a producer, and a writer. Uh, his name is Quentin Lee, and we should have him on the line with us. Are you with us, Quentin? Yes, I am. So how are you doing? Uh, really good. It's uh, great to talk to you guys on uh, May 1st, 2021. It's been a while <laughs> since actually... So Dan and I worked together on a film called Shopping for Fangs, which was actually my first feature film back in 1996. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember that. when you guys were doing that. Yeah. So I actually worked for Quentin on a, on a wow. film. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I'm still in touch with uh, Jean Chen, uh, Jeannie Chen. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. We're still in touch through social media. And um, um, yeah, it's always nice sometimes when you work on projects. I'm still old friends with people I worked with way back in the 80s and 90s, you know. Huh. But um, so Dan, and, I'm not sure you know, since we're talking about, you know, people who passed away. Uh, Actually, Clint Chung, who played the husband that actually killed you in the film, just passed away, I would say, oh uh, in March. What? Of cancer, yeah. So I'm not sure oh. you, I think you guys were Facebook friends and he was actually having, I mean, for like for a year, he was having a, a kind of like GoFundMe campaign to oh, basically wow. fund his fight against cancer. I, I donated to it. And then just very, you know, shockingly in March, um, I just saw on Facebook that he passed away. So wow. 
I, I mean, he, I, I, when I think of him, he was such a uh, healthy, uh, you know, his physique and everything. I mean, um, really sorry. Yeah, he was like a bodybuilder, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just, when you said that, I was kind of shocked. I didn't, yeah. I did, I actually didn't know that because. Uh, so sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor myself. I um, um, went through surgery and chemotherapy a number of years ago and then uh, all the last scans and all that came back clear. Yeah. Uh, so I'm. You, you survived it. Yeah, so I'm trying to do things to stay healthy and everything, but um, uh, always sad to hear uh, that type of thing. So I'm very sorry to hear that. So Quentin, I wanted to ask you, um, when it comes to being a creative person, uh, can you can you remember an early memory of something you did that got people's attention where you, uh, whether it was something you wrote or you were acting something out or can you remember what that was? You know, I remember actually uh, my first creative memory would be actually with my mom. And I think I have to I had to be maybe around five or six or something. And then she she thought she sort of created this homemade kind of thing with like a kind of like a transparent kind of thing. And then we were like, put, it's like you wrote it's it's like this piece of plastic you wrote around and then she painted these drawings on it and would, uh-huh. we would project that onto the wall. And I thought, and she was showing me, well, maybe that's how movies are being made. I said, wow, that's kind of interesting. Um, so that was actually my first creative memory that actually inspired me eventually, you know, that, oh, I want to make movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, so uh, as far as growing up, were you doing any kind of drawing, painting, singing, any of that? I was actually, my dad has a, um, my dad had a Supre camera back in, I'd say in the seventies. Uh-huh. So I was growing up in the six, I was, I grew up in the seventies. So I think when I was just around grade one, I, one day I invited some friends home and so I said, oh, let's make a movie. Let's make a little horror film. So that's the first thing that I ever did was this, you know, this little horror film that I made called The Road. Um, uh-huh. in 1917, 1976, maybe. And then I, we, I think, they, I, actually, so you, you would make the Super 8 films and you would also have a Super 8 projector too. Oh, wow. so I remember one day I brought it to school and showed, showed the whole class this, you know, the film that we made. And oh, I just wow. found that. And then I think, I, I think people were not very receptive in Hong Kong because it's a very stu- studious kind of culture. Mm. So um, they weren't really... And then I, you know, I made a couple of other things and then throughout all the way up to high school, I was like maybe um, in grade 10 before I left, um, made like a horror film, again, like another horror film that I never finished on Super 8. It's like a three reel kind of thing. And, and, and everything was just not good in that film. It's like the effects were bad. Somebody's supposed to saw off my head and then we, <laughs> it didn't take out really well. <laughs> uh, isn't that what uh, Spielberg did? Didn't he use Super 8 for his first? He just took the words out of my mouth. Oh, I was really? going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's I like thought... everybody started somewhere. And so you're like one of those prodigy kids, aren't you? I was there with a prodigy. I was, I was just an enthusiast. And I just wanted <laughs> okay. to make something. And I, awesome. I, I didn't think I had much talent. And then eventually, um, and then I thought in the high school days, I really wanted to become a writer. And so mm-hmm. I was writing like a lot of stuff, a lot of stories and things like that. But then uh, eventually I did publish my first short story when I was 16. Uh, wow. That's when I moved to Canada. Um, uh-huh. Got a lot of rejection slips. I remember as I was at like 18, I've gotten, I, by then I had gotten like maybe like 20 rejections, more than that, like 50 rejections. And, and I'm not talking about 
you know, email rejections. I've gotten like a lot of like physical rejections that because back in the days you would send, send, you know, a publisher or magazine, like a manuscript, actually all typewritten or photocopied or whatever. That's right. And they would send you back a really, you know, nicely typed one line or two lines uh, rejection, <laughs> rejection letter. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I then, then I went to college and then I, I was in Canada. I, so I, I grew up in Hong Kong until I was 15. Then I moved to Canada in Montreal out of all the places. And mm-hmm. uh, then for college, I went to Berkeley. So that's when okay. I went to Berkeley, I was thinking, well, maybe I should be a film major. And there, was, there wasn't much of film department. So, mm. and then I was gonna become a drama major. And then I think I took one class and I, I worked really hard in that class, but I got a B minus, a B plus. So mm-hmm. I was kind of really upset. I'm not gonna be a drama major because it's so, because the grading is so subjective, you right, know, especially right. in acting. I took right. my first acting class then. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I was like, you know, just be an English major. So I became an English major and then I graduated, you know, with, with um, summa cum laude, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And then I went over, then, then I, then I applied to film school at UCLA. Okay. So I, I got an interview. I came very close, but then I didn't get in and I got into USC. Okay. And at that time, people were saying, just don't go to USC because, you know, it's university of second choice. Uh, or university of spoiled children so i thought okay well mm-hmm. why don't i go to yale because i gone to yale for like a one-year master degree wow doing more english so i went over to yale and then did the one year and, and then reapplied to usc and ucla and i gone to usc again i didn't and then i was waitlisted at ucla i said well you know what i just basically had to go to usc so i went to usc um for one day and back in 1993, and I remember that the campus was a little bit, you know, kind of edgy back then in the 90s. Sure, um, sure. Like at all. So, so I was kind of depressed. And then I came home and then I got a message from, on my answering machine. And, and UCLA actually called and said, hey, you know what? You actually um, got into the production program at UCLA. Wow. Because, yeah, cool. so I was like, so I canceled my check at SC. <laughs> and... Um, went to UCLA and and but by by then I already moved to Koreatown in Los Angeles um and I just never moved I stayed there I stayed on the east side basically until um middle of 20 2000 he was living in Koreatown when my brother was living there my brother was living in Koreatown at the same time I was living in Koreatown too no no not down by western he's I'm talking about the the year the year that he was living in 1993 93 yeah. I was there in 1992 or 93. Yeah, I was right around that time. Yes, it's right just, after Koreatown down. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, you're right. It, few... it wouldn't have worked that way. But, but, um, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Some, so some years he was, before. He was, was there when, when my brother was living there. Oh. I wanted to ask you, Quentin. Um, so uh, the film that we worked on, which was Shopping for Fangs, that was around 96, 97. Did you start Margin Films? as a result of that film? Yes, or did, exactly. Or did you... I, I started Margin Films to make Shopping for Fans. And okay. in, 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 two, in, in 1996, I actually just checked the incorporation date because I had to file some paperwork. And um, yeah, I mean, it's still around. It's shockingly, I mean, I'm sh- I, I mean, I was mostly, you know why I started that company. I started a C corporation because at that time I w- actually wasn't um, a legal um resident i was uh, an international student from canada hmm. so oh. i started that company really just so that i could actually take in income from from like jobs and things like that oh, just because, because i didn't have a work permit and right. so so it would be illegal for me to take any kind of type of job 
But then as a non-resident, the only corporate entity that you allowed to start was actually a C corporation. Right. And then, so I can use that as, as my loan now. So I was actually, it's funny because I, so after I made shopping, we made shopping for fans together. Uh-huh. Um, I went on a DreamWorks movie um, huh. as oh, a wow. assistant to a director. And then I was kind of scared because I got the job already. And then my friend says, you know, uh, my friend was a director and says like, what, Quentin, what, what, what are you scared? What are you scared about? I said, you know what? I actually don't have a work visa then because I was still going to school. I was like in between, I was at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I'm not sure I could take a DreamWorks job. And then, then they said, well, why don't we just pay to your loan out? And then we talked to the production manager and the production manager said, well, you know, only like directors, you know, only like kind of high level individual. <laughs> right. You know, right. production would get a loan out. But then my, my director is like, you know, just, just send everything to Quentin's loan out. That end of story. So I took wow. that job. And, and so, so that was around 99. And so after I finished that job, I quit the job um, in post-production because I, I, I want to start another film. I got a grant to start another film, Drift. And then um, and so, I applied and- to be a green card. I applied for my uh, residency. Uh, oh, okay. And somehow I, re- I got it as an alien of extraordinary ability around 99. And I think I became a legal resident year 2000. Okay. I want, like, yeah, I want to ask, uh, or I just want to mention to anyone listening, you can find Quentin, it's Q-U-E-N-T-I-N, Quentin Lee, uh, IMDB, or you can go to Margin Films. Uh, I noticed when I went to Margin Films, it automatically took me to marginfilmsdreamhosters.com. Yes. So, and you have quite a lot going on on your IMDB. I know a lot of um, productions have been on hold and all that kind of thing, but can you talk a little bit about what's going on currently? Obviously, we're on a time constraint here, but I'm curious about this Dream Hosters and and kind of some of these things I'm looking at on your uh, current IMDb. Yeah, so I, I most of my films you can check uh, actually on Tubi and um, Tubi.com, TubiTV.com. It's a free right, I, website. I, so you can see mostly everything on it, including Shopping for Fans, that Dan actually played the psychiatrist. Um, and um, yeah, so two, 2020 was actually a very shockingly productive year. It's got made three comedy specials mm. and one kind of like a Zoom feature called Co-Misery, which is also on Tubi, and also um, a Zoom gay Asian TV series, um, mm-hmm. eight episodes of them, um, also on called, called Boy Luck Club, and that's also on Tubi and mm-hmm. or Amazon. And then also I made, I finished up a documentary film that I was producing called Searching for Anime Wong with um, Sandra Oh and Tai Ma and a lot of like Asian American actors. Okay. And I believe that's coming on Tubi, but it's on Amazon Prime already. Yeah, I have the so, Tubi app. Uh, and now that you've told me that, I'll, I'll go and check for all those uh, productions because I have that app. Um, anyone that yeah, has sometimes because like my films have been drifted through so many distributors, Ooh. it got back to me. And then at the end, which is now, is a, it's kind of like a renaissance because of, of there are so many streamers out there. So we, I was able to, to put most of it on Tubi, which people can actually just access without paying anything and just watch some ads. So yeah, anybody who has a, anybody who has an Xbox or, a, or any type of device like that that they're using for content, like we do, Tubi is just a free app that you can put on there. And uh, and I've watched quite a lot of content on there. So, um, but um, and so now, it, obviously, you've got quite an extensive background in, in film and writing and producing and so on. Uh, you mentioned something to me. Um, uh, some time ago when we were first talking about this, uh, doing this interview, and there was something that you wanted to touch on specifically about what's going on currently. Um, and I don't remember the details of it, but I wanted to 
try to see if I could remind you. Do you remember you made a comment to me about something you wanted to talk about specifically going on today? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, because of COVID, there's so much kind of anti-Asian hate going on. And then obviously May, it's the beginning. May is the uh, AAPI Heritage Month, which is Asian American Pacific Islander um, Heritage Month. And so it's a really good time to explore and talk a lot about being Asian American um, as an immigrant myself. So actually, so yeah, no, I have a couple of films going on and um, one of which it's called, uh, one of which is about to launch. We got supposed to launch this project on WeFunder, which is basically a crowdfunding, a crowdfunding, but it's more for like people investing in your films. Sure. Uh, sure. Last summer of Nathan Lee, and basically it's about this Chinese American teenager who, who has, um, who finds out he has brain cancer after he turned 18 and he only has maybe like a year to live and he wants to live his life with passion and refuses to die a virgin. So it's kind of like a teen comedy dramedy gotcha. about this kid who has brain right. cancer. So we're starting to raise money for it. We've pretty much attached most of the cast and the lead actor is actually um, uh, an, a young Asian American and Canadian actor that I've worked with when he was 16 in a short that I made in Vancouver. And then he sort of like came to college at USC and then taught, taught in the industry for like, you know, six months for, for like almost a, a decade. And then I felt he was very talented. So, so I felt, well, why don't we do this, you know, no budget film together called Last Summer of Nathan Lee. So I got a writer to write it. And then, so we are ready to launch this film um, just right in time for Asian API Heritage Month. So that's okay. really exciting. Yeah, and, I personally, I, I personally don't understand, first of all, racism, just to begin with, because so ign- so much ignorance there. But um, the, the Asian, I've been hearing, obviously all of us have been hearing about Asian hate. And I, I just, every time I hear it, I'm, I don't get it. I'm like, well, what is the, why? You know, it's, it's a, the big question mark there. Is, People it's, are it's filled just, with it, fear. It just makes no sense to me. And I, I, mean, I, I, think, I think because Asian Americans are basically the model minority and they are the, the people that complain least, I would say. Hmm. And I think I think that's why I kind of like ever, since I was living since I moved to this, you know came to LA I was living in Koreatown and I I I also lived with a lot of like you know Latinx um or, or, mm-hmm. or Latinx immigrants mm-hmm. so I, I I think like the Asian American experience is more kind of like the Latinx experience okay. which is more from an immigrant culture that's very different from mm-hmm. let's say African American culture um right. or the Native American culture I mean I mean I think so. In some way, being immigrants, you know, you came to this country, you felt very lucky and you don't really complain that much. Um, and then somehow the mainstream tends to like to, you know, <laughs> find some punching bags and they always look for like, you know, just like Trump look for, you know, Trump bash Mexicans and just like some other people bash Asians. And that's kind of like that. It's just so ignorant because, I mean, I can tell you from my personal experience growing up in Texas back in the, you know, 60s or whatever, being being that I'm I'm half white, but the other half is Hispanic, and there's some Apache Indian mixed in there. But you know the uh, German origin kids back in those days, uh, they were cruel. I mean, really, you know, if you didn't look like them, uh, you were kicked around and punched, and all kinds of things happened to you as a kid. So yeah. I mean, growing uh, up in Hollywood, but, but I went. To, I, but, was, well, I was going to say that, uh, but but that kind of thing only produces more hate because you end up hating the people that are doing it to you. Yeah. 
And so it's just a big, ugly thing. And you were going to talk about your experience, which you talked to me about before, Aaron. Um, okay. your, your Hollywood experience? Well, um, just, I grew up in Hollywood. Um, my dad was an actor, writer, and a, he was a Japanese film critic. Well, he wasn't and, Japanese. When you say that, he wasn't, some people, okay, sorry. Some people he wasn't think you're ja saying he was a Japanese okay. film critic. So he, he was, was a film critic for um, samurai movies. His name so. was Frederick Franklin, and he was a, a character actor who worked all the time with Mel Brooks and all kinds of people. But he was also hired to... Uh, he, was for a the, film, he was a film critic. For the Toho Film Festival. And so the Toho Film Festival um, would, would, would show Japanese films with Toshiro Mifune and, and Kurosawa. And uh, but they were in my living room, they would I, come to our house, no, like, I know, to, to I know. The Nakadai and and uh, yeah, and um, Kurosawa <clears throat> and all of those people. So I hung out, they were like in our living room. We had a huge living room in the Hollywood Hills. I grew up in the Cecil B. DeMille uh house, which was really a sound stage in the 20s, and um, we had like a 40 foot ceiling in our living room, and my parents were you know my mother was a producer and my you know all that stuff so and my father was what he was and they had a huge tree growing right smack in the middle through the house in the middle of the living room and uh, uh and all of their colleagues and all of their you know co-workers would come over and <laughs> sounds surreal yeah and then my mother you guys would, keep the house or no no, no, no. Um, my father passed and my, my father passed actually he was doing a Godfather pizza commercial. He passed in the dressing room. And then um, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, oh, and, I, and then I grew up playing uh, Chet um, uh, was go and Shogi. And so we, we always had people at our house and my mother would make, my mom was like, she would make, uh, <clears throat> she would dress up like a geisha. It's <laughs> crazy. The sixties, she would dress up like a geisha a geisha girl and she would she she was a master cook for japanese uh food so and my parents they loved the japanese and she's also from uh, canada too she's Aaron, oh, wow. Aaron, yeah Aaron here is the whitest person i've ever seen in my life she's I beg your pardon she's uh she's she's a uh, irish he calls me bleach irish scottish origin and she has blue eyes but and so her mom also uh similar look and so you're telling this story i'm trying to visualize her so your mom is canadian Canadian, yeah. Yeah, but she's did Irish. You, did, you get your did you get your Canadian citizenship then? She's dual, American and Canadian. What about you? I'm born in the USA. I'm an alien. No. <laughs> so, so, so theoretically, because your mom is Canadian, you should you would be eligible to get Canadian citizenship. That's right. That's good. Yeah. So I'm actually in the process of applying for my son because I'm. Oh. I don't know why. Then maybe it's the pandemic. But I re I resend in all my application. I haven't heard back. It's been like almost. We've got six months yeah wow. it's the pandemic i'm sure yeah I'm yeah sure it takes it well the ins you know they always took a long time anyway i used to should i say who i was married to no no okay so no. um yeah <laughs> the, the ins has always taken a long time it's always yeah. you know now is this, forever. is this still called the i because i i went through my immigration thing through the ins but i think now it's is it homeland security now oh okay yeah. it's basically okay. homeland security but Right. I just remember, like, never had a good time with the INS. I would get up, at, I, literally, I would get up, like, when I was getting my green card back in 99, 2000. Yeah. And every time I had any appointment, I'd get out at 6 o'clock in the morning. I drove downtown oh. L.A., drove yeah. downtown L.A., and, and I'd get in that line with, like, sure. like, you know, and just getting into that building was so tough. So my, even my, so I, <clears throat> I felt lucky getting out at noon. 
at 6 a.m. Usually, that... usually around 2 p.m. <laughs> 2 or 3 uh, p.m. You know, like... and the stories I've heard, that must have been wanna, so tough I, for you. I want to ask, uh, I want to ask before, because we're out of time just about, I want to ask. I, I wanted to say I've worked with John Cho. Oh, oh, wonderful! I worked with him on on uh, I worked with on on the Mindy project and on Selfie over at, at Warner's because I'm, oh, great. I'm yeah, a Warner girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he was great to work with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was his first film. He literally he also graduated from Berkeley and sent in this headshot and resume. Then me and Justin Leonard saying, "Oh, he went to Berkeley. It's like my school. Let's let's call him in." And then he came in. And said, oh my god, he was so great. So we cast him right away. And then he was actually John Cho was actually on two feature another feature film yellow uh which was shooting at the same time of shopping with fans so we kind of shared him and split him oh there you for are. the list for the, for the listening audience john cho is um in shopping for fangs we were talking about it earlier which you can find uh on tubi or i found it other places also and um uh john cho of course is the actor who was uh in harold and kumar and uh, he's the uh he plays Sulu and Star Trek and that type of thing. I was also too, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you, how did you uh, meet uh, Justin Lin? How did that work out? Uh, we went to film school together. Okay. Um, oh, cool. We met in film school at UCLA. And, but I did want to mention something about um, Clint Jung, who was actually uh, also in Shopping for Fangs. And, and I felt really bad about his passing because um, no one wrote about him at all. Um, oh. not and he, he, you know, so after Shopping for Fangs, he had like a hundred plus credits, but but still, like, no one wrote about him. So I ended up writing a blog um, to commemorate him. Oh, bless you. And I realized that I didn't know, I couldn't find his uh, birth, birth year. Oh. Okay. So, because a lot of actors kept them kind of quiet. So, so that basically, that was, my blog was the only kind of public document that actually mentioned his passing. And, mm. and because of that, I decided to do a little, um, a little NFT series. I'm not sure you're, you're, you're familiar with NFT. It's basically um, a, a unique digital art. So I, yes. I, I'm, so I've just released uh, a, a, one NFT actually just a couple of hours ago on Rarible. And so that's to commemorate actually Kun Jung. So oh, check it out. And then I'm releasing three more because actually over the course of my career, four, four of my actors have died, um, including wow. J.G. Gaeta, um, Kun Jung. Elizabeth Sung and also Hip Lay, a friend of mine. So yeah, that's always yeah. very tough. I, I mean, uh, the the NFT idea I've been mentioning on podcasts. Maybe episodes, you're an angel. Uh, uh, Cross it. No, well, hey, you well, know, he's got he's got a little parakeet on his shoulder. Yes, so. he does. A um, little sweetie. <laughs> I can see you're uh, you're a bird man. I am. I'm a bird man. I have four of them. That's that's actually that's sadly this this bird. It's Mochi, and she's the daughter of my 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 cockatiel parents. And oh. she passed away recently. She's oh, ten. Years. So ten. So yeah. That's all. That's always tough. Um, I, I used to have. I, 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 I used are to have two. I used to have two gray cheek parakeets, and their names were Otsu and Musashi. <laughs> <laughs> I feel oh. like I have very bad bad um, luck naming my birds Japanese name because I have I named I got a bird named Kyoko, and then she flew out. She, she flew away, and then I named the daughter Mochi, and she's actually the first bird that died. Oh. and and the other birds her parents were basically 15 and wow. she somehow died at 10 i don't know why what happened well you're an angel helping them pass through it's good pass, that aaron pass is, through this life it's good that we didn't know each other back then aaron because i had two snakes so that wouldn't <laughs> that wouldn't work out at all but so then anyway. i'm not sure you know because you when we were shooting shopping for fangs um uh-huh. we actually lit the fish tank that was actually in the film in your office um oh. 
But after we lit that fish tank, those two fish died. Oh. And and my my uncle then loaned us a space. Is so upset. Oh. I, I, it, <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe the lighting. So, the, so that fish, that those fish in the fish tank of shopping for fangs in your office were basically the the last of them. Okay. I think I think they weren't those those fish weren't shopping for fangs. They were dropping for fangs. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I want to say this because we have to wrap it up. But um, yeah, NFTs, I um, have been talking about that. I'm going to literally take a 10 day break and I'm just going to study, learn. And then I want to educate my audience on NFTs and uh, crypto art because a story came out not long ago that someone sold a, a digital file for $69 million. And wow. uh, it, it took him a long time to create it. It was an accumulation over many years. But um, but it's just a fascinating subject, and I want to get more into that. So, Quentin, uh, we've got to wrap it up, but uh, any final words for our audience? Um, you know what? Check out my NFT right now. It's it's actually on Rarible, and so it's Rarible uh, backslash, backslash Quentin Lee, and then that would be my first NFT. It's up for auction right now. It's only 200 bucks or something. So. That's awesome. And uh, Aaron, any final words from you? Uh just as usual, keep the art and the creativity flowing because uh, art is the healing uh, measure for the planet. And eat more baklava. And eat more baklava. Perfect. Oh, I love baklava. <laughs> <laughs> I live in I... Glendale. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, well, yeah. Baklava See, land. Oh, of course. Of I used course. to go to the baklava factory on Ventura Boulevard in Encino, and, and I'd have a migraine for two days after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, so coming up on May 4th, we're interviewing Angela Crochet, and then on May 8th, Susie Singer-Carter, and Kevin O'Neill on May 16th. He's also a film producer, filmmaker, and, and we, have, we, have a, we have interviews all the way into June, so we've got people contacting us through the website artworkpodcast.com and asking to be on the show and again i do appreciate all the compliments from everybody and the comments and um we're now streaming on so many aaron asked me today how many countries are we being heard in and i actually lost track because i i've got us on so many platforms but um but quentin once again thank you very much for thank you for you. having me I'm yeah you're fantastic very honored and yeah yeah, yeah it's it's been wonderful and been uh wonderful. maybe in the future we can uh check in with you again on an interview and, and see what's going on, because I think things are going to be changing over the next uh, 12 months with the vaccine out there and all that. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I've, uh, Quentin, I have, I had not met you yet throughout this whole time, but um, I've heard your name passed around uh, over the years, quite, quite a bit. So, you know, you're, you're awesome and good for you. Thank you. And yeah. maybe you can do something in person next time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm vaccinated though. Yeah, if you need somebody for crew, Aaron's uh, she's she's got the Rolodex of everybody, including herself. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Yeah, she's worked yeah. on everything. Okay, well, we're gonna Thank wrap you it so up. So much, there. of See course, you guys. absolutely. Thank you, we really appreciate it. Okay, everybody, that's it for us for today. We are out until next time. This has been Art Talk Podcast. We'll see you later. <laughs>